everyone, and welcome to the We Are Podcast, your home for Penn State football news and everything else Penn State football. This is your host, Jared Pruger on DK Sports Radio. Let's talk Penn State football. They start next week in Indiana, and the all is clear, for the most part, on the news front out of Happy Valley. But some troubling things have, have popped up. Now, whether they're, they're true or not, is to be determined and and we'll find out this week whether it's there's any um any truth to some of the things we've heard the biggest thing going around right now is the health of journey brown there's a rumor circulating on some message boards that journey brown is going to miss the season due to a health issue while i'm not at liberty to discuss anything like that because everything that i've heard is is hearsay um it's not like penn state has come out and denied any of this now there's a lot of gamesmanship involved with injuries and and things of that nature and with gearing up for indiana and in the lead up to that james franklin and the company are, are guaranteed to hold everybody the information on everybody out until they they can in the latest point in the week now the depth chart and the two deep will come out later this week and and that's when we'll get a look and see what's what really is the issue um it's not fair to me to speculate I, I don't ever want to put words in somebody's mouth or, or be deemed to, you know, not be truthful in, in my reporting. And I haven't been able to get anybody from Penn State to to follow up with me. So it's it's truly just hearsay. But it is the biggest news out of Penn State camp uh, for this week. Now, they head to Indiana next week or on Saturday. Wow. It's it's been such a long off season. I didn't even realize that uh, as I as I talked to you today. But. They head to Indiana for a 3.30 p.m. kickoff in an empty stadium where surrounded by only friends and family. Um, the atmosphere is, is surely going to be bizarre and unique. Um, but how either team gets gets out of the gate, I think, is going to dictate how the, how the pace of the game is going to go. Um, the return game, I think, for Penn State is going to be really strong. Uh, you have Lamont Wade, who could be a return man. You have Jahan Dotson, who could be a return man. Um, And both of those guys are are speedy and shifty. Lamont, um, the elder statesman of the group, also named a senior uh, captain this year. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how they come out of the gates. Um, Penn State's not used to playing in front of empty stadiums outside of practices. So how they handle that, I think, truly is going to dictate how that game goes. Indiana's played them tough um, over the last few years. Now, will they still play them tough despite the limitations, the issues of practices? Um, that remains to be seen. But with the experience returning on offense and the defensive speed and athleticism, I think it gives it uh, the Nittany Lions a good shot as any of really putting Indiana away early if they're able to get out and get into a lead. Now, the kicking game. The kicking game, I think, is as strong as always. You have um, Jake Pinniger. And Jordan Stout, who handled the the field goal duties, touchback Jesus, um, Jordan Stout's nickname uh, for appropriately, all the touchback he earns the Nittany Lions uh, throughout the season uh, when they obviously score or kickoffs or however. But how they split that role is very unique. Pinninger handles the short kicks uh, while Stout handles the long one. Uh, Stout, a transfer from Virginia Tech, uh, came burst onto the scene last season and had success right out of the gate. Um, but both kickers feel 
after talking with them through virtual media days that they can handle anything that, that Coach Franklin uh, can throw at them. And, and that's great. Um, now, punter is going to be a different different issue this year with, with Blake Ellican off to the NFL. However, Penn State hopes that they don't have to punt very often. They did just award a, uh, a scholarship to their punter, or not their punter, but their long snapper, Chris Stahl. Um, it was actually Micah Parsons' scholarship. They they applied for a waiver through the NCAA and, and were able to get that, which is shocking because the NCAA really rarely grants a waiver such as that when, you know, you have people transferring all over the place for, for good reasons, for bad reasons, and typically the bad reasons end up getting the waiver and the good reasons get washed away. But that's a story for another day. The special teams unit is going to be strong, and, and I think that's going to be very beneficial for Penn State as they look to to have success offensively. And a, a good kicking game is is really going to be able to pin um, opponents deep and, and set up for Brent Fry to be aggressive on defense. With the secondary that they have, they can afford to let the front seven go after the quarterback and, and get after the running backs with a vaunted defense back there with, with Joey Porter Jr. turning some heads um, in camp. And he's one of the one of the ones mentioned that he could be in the two deep rotation at, at corner. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see if that's the case. Now, his dad, obviously, was a standout for the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, both on the field and as a coach. So the pedigree is there. The athleticism is there. The genetic genetics are there. So it'll be interesting to see how he figures into to a, an experienced secondary. Um, they have Tariq Castro-Fields, who's going to be a factor. He's been a three-year starter at, at, at corner. Lamont Wade has also been in there as well for, for the last few years, as well as Keaton Ellis, who got some time as a true freshman last year, and Jonathan Sutherland, who's turned some heads at safety as well. So how they use that secondary in, in the rotations, I think, is going to uh, indicate how aggressive Penn State looks and hopes to be throughout the season. Now, I expect them to come out in a, in a vanilla-type offense, um, and it's going to be brand new. However, the offense isn't new to the Big Ten, as Kurt Shiraka has, has come from Minnesota. So there's quite a bit of tape on this offense. Now, the players are different, and the execution is, could very well be different, but it will be interesting to see how Indiana games game plans for that. I don't look to see that it's going to be very much different from what they had had under Ricky Roddy and, and previously under Joe Moorhead, but I do look to see an offensive coordinator that is very much comfortable calling plays in his offense. And I don't really think that Ricky Roddy was ever truly comfortable calling plays and doing that for Penn State over the course of the last two years. So how they come out and play defensively I think is really going to set the tone as well. Um, as I touched in, in one of my articles this week, the front the front four um, and guys like Jesse Lucata, guys like Jason Owe, um, guys like that and, and even um, Shaka Tony, if they're able to, to get off the ball and get into the backfield, now Lucata is a linebacker, but I expect the blitz packages to be up there just as much as they ever have been. Um, 
it's really going to set the tone defensively for the Nittany Lions. Of course, Indiana isn't the only team on the schedule this year. Um, while some instances it could be, uh, depending on how things go with, with the pandemic and as the Big Ten teams navigate their way through it, which I honestly think that Big Ten will be able to survive based on their daily testing. Um, you see in the SEC that games are getting postponed, coaches are getting COVID, players are getting COVID. Um, their testing isn't quite up to what the Big Ten's is or the Pac-12's. Now, luckily, they've had the benefit of watching t- teams and leagues and, and other um, areas go through everything and, and see how they handled it. And I think the Big Ten has a really good plan in place to make sure these games get played. Now, the Big Ten this year is part of that plan has announced a nine-game regular season schedule. It goes up to December 19th, which is the last week they can play before um, bowl games are announced and this, that, and the other thing. The NCAA passed that it doesn't matter whether you have a winning record or not. All teams are eligible for bowl games. Now, there are only a certain amount of bowl games, so not every team will be able to go, which obviously leads us into the schedule. They will play eight regular season games with the ninth week coming uh, on championship week where they will play a seeded game against a team from the Big Ten West. So, for instance, if Penn State happens to be the number one seed in the East, which would mean Jim Harbaugh doesn't come close, again, shocker, um, and they upset Ohio State um, in week two, they would play the number one seed from the West, whoever that might be, whether it's Nebraska, if Nebraska's back, uh, they'll find out during their trip to Lincoln this year. Um, or it could be Wisconsin or Minnesota. But I, for one, am very excited to see the week um, nine matchup between the two worst teams in the Big Ten based on standings. Um, so that could be Rutgers in Maryland from the east playing an Illinois type from the west. So to see that, I think, is really going to put the perfect bow on a bizarre season. Now, for Penn State, it doesn't get any easier after Indiana. I'm not saying that Indiana's an easy team by any means, as they've given Penn State fits for, for the last couple of years. And Tom Allen's team it really is always well-prepared to play uh, James Franklin and company. But they host Ohio State for Halloween, which, if you've seen any Big Ten night games... Something bizarre is bound to happen there. And, of course, it's going to be in an empty stadium. Um, Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, that it will most likely be a primetime tilt between two top ten teams. Um, It just will depend on what station the game is on. Following Ohio State, Penn State hosts Maryland before going to, uh, to Nebraska and then returning home to take on Iowa. They'll head to the big house of horrors um, Thanksgiving week uh, to face Michigan where they got walloped just a few years ago. They will then go on the road at Rutgers uh, December 5th before returning to host Michigan State uh, week eight of the season. It remains to be seen how they handle 
the schedule. The schedule seems to me like they could very easily go seven and one throughout the regular season. Even a possible eight and no with the tough games, I think, being Ohio State. Luckily, they do play them at home. At Michigan, which is always a tough place to play, no matter whether there's fans or not in the stands. And at Nebraska. Now, depending on what's on the line, that game at Rutgers could be a trap game. But nothing that they've done against Rutgers over the course of the last few years under James Franklin gives me any reason to believe they won't win that game uh, easily. But Michigan State under a new coach is going to be tough. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see just the, how the schedule pans out. But I think with the plans in place uh, for the Big Ten, that they're going to get these games in. That will remain to be seen for the Big 12, the SEC, and teams like that, and conferences like that, because they're not testing every day like the Big Ten is. So it it will really be a toss-up to see who gets to go to bowl games. Um, but I think Penn State will obviously make it. Now, will they be in a New Year's Six, or will they make the college playoff? I think that will be dictated by how they perform against Ohio State. Ohio State sends Chase Young to the NFL, thankfully. J.K. Dobbins is now with the Baltimore Ravens. Sorry, Steelers fans. I know that stings a little bit. But they return Justin Fields. And when you have a quarterback of that nature, it really doesn't matter who lies up behind him. They've got to be able to, to stop him. And if there's ever a year to play Ohio State week two of the season, which normally that would never be the case based on the way schedules are made. But here we are. When Dick Tank makes the schedule, you have to listen. So with the chaos that we've seen through, throughout the top 25 as it's changed multiple times over and Big Ten teams like Penn State and Ohio State making it to the top 10 without having played it down speaks to the volume of the depth of the Big Ten Conference. Having a top 10 matchup week two is beneficial for Penn State because if they were to lose, they will be able to hopefully recover with a successful slate the rest of the season. What will also help matters for Penn State is that seeded game uh, later in the year uh, in week nine. If they're able to go into that game seven and one, eight and no, that could, and if they're playing for the Big Ten Championship, it's obviously, I think, setting them up very well for a New Year's Six Bowl. Now, how the Big 12 and Pac-12 and um, the SEC shake out, that's going to dictate how the college football playoff is. Now, we've seen Oklahoma get bounced. We've seen LSU get bounced. So it'll be very interesting to see how that top 10 plays out, even with an, a loss for either Ohio State to Penn State or Penn State to Ohio State. Um, as long as they don't fall too far, I think Penn State should find itself in a New Year's Six Bowl game. But if they're able to to take on Ohio State and beat them, I think you very well can see them finally crack the college football playoff this season. And what better way to, to go into 2020 and 2021 with that, with that opportunity to play for something that the program has not been able to do um, ever. So it will remain to be seen how things go. But the good news is 
for every Penn State football fan or media personality or, or whoever, the Big Ten football is back. Penn State football will be back. And, man, does it feel good to say that. So thanks again uh, for listening. This is Jared Prugar for DK Sports Radio and the We Are podcast. Thank you for tuning in.